The information contained in this podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute investment or financial advice. You should seek tailored advice that is specific to your circumstances before making any investment decision. The Good Investing Podcast connects you with successful investors and business leaders who invest in or are experts in a range of industries, but do it with a difference. So if we look at medicine, medicine has advanced in light years, but I can't say a friend needed heart surgery. I couldn't say, oh, I'm going to pay for the surgery, right? I can't go tell the surgeon, here's how it should be done. Here's how I want you to do it. That is just, it's incredibly insane. I mean, that, that person has trained, but that is how we approach charity. Here's our money or my money, but here's what I want you to do with it or how I want it spent. Hi, my name is Matt Nicard. I'm the co-founder of Ethical Partners. On behalf of Nathan Parkin and the team at Ethical Partners, this is the Good Investing Podcast. Now, we received a terrific response to part A of the thank you story, and we're pleased to bring you part B today. In part B, Daniel talks to us about campaigns, something thank you does so well, and the successful campaign in getting thank you products into Coles and Woolworths. He also talks to us about no small plan, which looks to reinvent thank you. It sounds like we're going to hear more about that soon. And if that's not enough, thank you is also looking to revolutionize the whole giving model. Enjoy part B of our discussion with Daniel Flynn. Can I talk to you about campaigns? Yeah. I'm going to ask you about campaigns because it. you guys are superb at campaigns. There's been so many. The uh, Coles and Woolworths supermarket campaign. Yeah. Run us through that for people who haven't heard what happened, what, five years ago now? Yeah, well, sometime, I think it was 20, 2013, but uh, the, the why of this is important because it's radical what we did, but for five years we couldn't get one bottle of water into Coles and Woolworths. Um, they have 70% market share. We needed them, or at least one of them. So five years of no, we, we launched a video on YouTube. The video was called The Coles and Woolworths Campaign. So we branded them in the same sentence. And we said to our supporters, we said, hey, uh, for five years we can't get in, uh, but in two weeks' time we booked another meeting with both of them. This time we need you because we're not just taking the water. We're taking a body care range, which we've spent two years developing, a food range, and you know, we need you to show them that, hey, if if they stocked it, you'd buy it. And so that's what we ask people to do. Jump onto the Facebook pages of Coles and Woolies and, and just say that. And, and man, humans are awesome. We saw people sing, dance, rap, upload their videos onto the Facebook pages of Coles and Woolies. We then flew two helicopter, well, we didn't, but two helicopter pilots flew these 30,000 square foot signs that said, dear Coles, dear Woolworths, Thank you for changing the world in brackets if you say yes. They flew around the head offices for half an hour. Um, and that was a great day, um, a great day. The, the pilots, Peter and Jeff, they flew for free. And we love that because I think it, it, it's a reminder that everyone wants to use their, their business, their passion to make a difference. You know, and, and, and that's really the thank you story. And Coles and Woolworths said yes. And, and, and the, in the industry, our suppliers at the time who'd worked on the body care range and the food and the water, they were all like, so when's your meeting? Like, oh, here's the meeting day. And they said, why, why are we printing packaging? Why are we getting ready? And we're like, oh, because the meeting, we think they'll, it'll be a pretty quick yes. And in the industry, if, if, if there's interest in a meeting, the first meeting, it's six months at best to a year and a half before you're on shelf. 
Five hours after the meeting at Coles, three hours after Woolworths, they both said yes. A month and a half later, products on shelf. It was a wild journey. That's but amazing. the power of people, yep. social media, media, yeah, it changed everything. And now what's your, what's your share in skincare? <laughs> Great. Roughly. Oh, I should know this. I should know this. We're forty percent in the in the premium category, which is yep. now the biggest part of the the, the category. Uh, yeah, so that that's the number I've got off yeah. the top of my head. So everyone's been a winner, right? So Coles and Woolworths haven't regretted that. Well, um, no, no, they certainly haven't. I mean, I mean, yeah. um, the the interesting point we actually were the first in this space, mm. and and both of them had given different feedback, saying, "Look, we'll take your water and your food, but the body care thing, I don't think it's going to work because." This is a premium product. It was the most expensive hand wash that would be on shelf. So it belongs in a, a boutique store or a pharmacy, but because of the campaign, they kind of had to and they took it. And yeah, we um, were 100% of that category. Now it is the biggest part of the the health and beauty um, or hand wash category. And yeah, it's been a huge category success, retailer success story. Um, to which our share gets smaller and smaller as more brands come in. Uh, there's more dark and black packaging. That's one thing I've noticed. Yeah, in my, I think there's um, about nine or ten, yeah. actually. There's a lot, yeah, yeah. Now, speaking of campaigns, so um, I think it was in 20, you launched No Small Plan, which, yeah, which was exceptionally bold. But I, I, I watched your YouTube promo three or four times. Okay. And <laughs> I just thought, wow. Wow. So I want to ask you about it. I know it's, yeah. it's tough, tough footy, I'm sure. Yeah. No. Um, I, I just want to ask you about it. How did it yeah. go? Where are you at? What yeah. did you learn? Yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. So bold. Thank you. Well, thank you for watching it three times. That helped the views. I, I was wondering <laughs> where the views come from. Um, this campaign broke every metric we had in terms of reach. We had the impressions, which is a bit of a funny stat, but, but, 2.6 billion media impressions, social, and we, we, we had 840 media features in 38 countries or 36, 38. Anyway, it was just crazy. I mean, we've done interviews in Australia before, but this was like, all right, Japan, you know, Singapore, Philippines, right over, we're in, in Brazil, South Africa. It was, it was, it was a wild ride. And so the message got out for those wondering what is no small plan it is a big idea. We sent a partnership agreement, um, kind of if, if technically in the brand licensing space, um, and we sent it to our competitors. So Unilever, uh, P&G, two of the biggest product companies in the world, and also to nine others. So kind of the big 11 uh, all got a copy of this. Uh, Unilever and P&G got theirs delivered in 26-foot glass trucks to the head office. Uh, in a big crate that said this is an opportunity to, or an invitation to change the world. So in it is an agreement and a lot of thinking, uh, all you know, really global leaders in brand partnership and licensing put a lot of thought into this. It's not an acquisition. So this is not about thank you being bought yep. uh, or selling out. This is what we talked about earlier, mm. this big idea of you've got your bit, you're good at that, we, we're good at some stuff, let's come together and take social enterprise and, and purpose to scale that the world hasn't seen before. So we sent that out, heaps of media covered that. Um, and, I, and look, it is bold to go public. At thank you, in all of our thinking of how would we partner with big business, there was no other way in our mind other than public. It has to be. This isn't a backroom deal mm. that's done, you know, Consumers don't trust big. Now, is that right? No, but it, is it true? Yes. And so we we have a job to do around a transparent journey. Now, 
here's where it gets very ambitious. So we launched the campaign. We thought a bit of healthy pressure is good. So we said in the video, you, I'm sure you remember this, we said five weeks from today, oh, sorry. So I think it was two weeks until the meeting. So we sent them a Zoom link. Um, and then five weeks from that, we're going to announce who's in on the largest digital billboard in the world found in Times Square, New York City. Uh, and, and we know the owner of that is very kind. He's, it's a big billboard, size of an American football field. So we've still got the billboard slot because we are 76 weeks into our five-week campaign. And, and here in lies, I suppose, a conversation around our ambition. And it's not just big, it is different. You know, and if we were, if this was an acquisition or a, you know, a equity stake, this would be done in in a few weeks. Um, but we actually were proposing something not completely new in business, but certainly in this space, and that's led to a very, very long journey. Mm. And I could sum up that long journey by saying it has been the wildest roller coaster ride in our life. But we weren't looking for an exit. We weren't looking for a shortcut. We're looking for a thank you partner. And so to us, that's a values alignment. Beyond just saying, yeah, yeah, we care, it's like, yeah, but in this model, we want it to exist all four. You can make your money and you will making and distributing it. But uh, yeah, it's not an equity play and, and, and that has that's led to some long, 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 long and twisty, turny discussions. Um, and, and some days, I, you know, I wrote about this recently, I've been wildly disappointed because I headed in and we all did with this optimism, like, hey, guys. Imagine this. And it was interesting. The first responses were so positive. But when it comes down to the detail, we had some incredible opportunities before us, but we'd have to fold on the fundamentals and we can't. So we walked away and that may have surprised some people. So in this journey, there's a few buckets. There's sort of the, the no buckets. And then there's the we're in, but, and that's that centers on a big year and a half. And then there's a final group, um, which is we're, we're in. And we're in the final stages of working that through. And, and we look forward to announcing that. Yep. But that has been, like, we're talking about this as a team. We wouldn't have skipped this process, even though it's been grueling, because I think where we've landed is not just thank you. It's so important for the world that we're actually trying to build. So, you know, um, it's easy to talk on a podcast about sticking to what you believe and to your fundamentals. It's hard on some days, but I'm, I'm glad we are here. Well, you've got to mentally get through it, right? You've got to make sure the team's motivated to keep on moving and pushing forward. And um, I mean, I, I imagine, just thinking about it on the way here, I imagine if you're the number one, two or three player, that might be a bit hard. I imagine though, if you're number seven, eight, nine, ten, or something like that, it's still a massive player by anyone's terms, mm. but it could just be a great tie up, but the devil's in the detail for sure. It is. And I'm oversimplifying it massively, well, of course. Well, well, no, but I think it's interesting. This is not public and I'm not going to name anyone, but for years, Thank You has been approached by some people who may have featured in the video saying, hey, when are you for sale? When are you selling? We love what you do. And that's interesting. We've picked up that sense of like, hey, we, we have respect for what you do, you know, and we, we like it. And we always sort of have our annual sort of, <laughs> we're not for sale and we never will be because we're owned by a charitable trust. But so, so really what we're bringing to the, it was probably to a warm crowd is actually a really cool way forward. Um, but it is bold and, and it, it introduces something which is called risk. 
This is so interesting. I, I get the feeling we're going to hear a bit more about this Look in the next few months. And thank you for sharing all that you can on that. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. I want to move now onto letter from the trustees. Yeah. I know I have read it. Um, and I know you were saying uh, earlier that um, maybe on air or off air, I can't remember, but it's a long letter yeah. and you've made a YouTube video on it as well. And it's titled, The System is Broken and We Helped Break It. I'm I'm just fascinated to know what brought you to this point mm. um, of acknowledging that or thinking that whether it's true or not. Mm, mm. What what doesn't matter. You've come mm, to that conclusion. Mm. So what 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 got you there? A long journey. Um, big credit to our head, head of impact, uh, Peter Yao. Um, he's a legend. Please don't approach him to work for your organization. No, he's incredible, and and you should approach him to get get help. But but look, I think for Justine myself, we've gone on a big journey. And early on, what Pete really unfolded, and others in the space, we very quickly were like, yeah, that makes sense. There is real dysfunction, but look, we can't change that, and it's too hard, and we're in a consumer based business, and so we had. So we've lived all of the excuses as why not to change. What is the problem? Just to, divide, to define it. Um, a report came out by Open Road Alliance. I think it sums it up really well. And it said that uh, f- uh, 46% of challenges that charities face come from the donor. 4% come from violence uh, or from, from theft and corruption. And I'm like, when I saw that, I was like, no, 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 no. Is it... Wouldn't it be like mainly there's like corruption issues and then, but actually that when we looked at like, what are the challenges that donors bring to the table? It's like, oh, we tick every box. And so I think it is hard to unsee this and we're on a mission, not to just to build a nice little social venture that wins a few awards, makes us feel good. No, no, this is about a different world tomorrow. And I think the mission and the purpose drives us to, to confront some really hard questions. And then to go on the journey of being humble and being like, oof, what did we get wrong here? Okay, what do we learn? And then we've moved forward, but we thought this is a problem that can't be solved by one organization. Everyone needs to. And so we've, we've invited others and that's what the letter does. And we're not the first. Many have gone on this journey of uh, moving to unrestricted funding and to land this concept. Here's two quick analogies that got it over the line for me. So if we look at medicine, as a, medicine has advanced in light years, but I can't say, uh, say a friend needed heart surgery. I couldn't say, oh, I'm going to pay for the surgery, right? I can't go tell the surgeon, here's how it should be done. Here's how I want you to do it. That is just, is incredibly insane. I mean, that, that person has trained the profession, but that is how we approach charity. Here's our money or my money, but here's what I want you to do with it or how I want it spent. And, and what we have is a charity nonprofit sector that, broadly speaking, is in the dark ages compared to medicine, which is advancing in light years. And then business has, has also advanced at incredible innovation and incredible scale. And again, when a big investor turns up to the table, I know you guys encourage people to think differently and think about purpose, but a, a, an investor of any company can't say, I, just my money can't fund the staff wages. It's just not how it works. You know, I, I don't want any money in marketing or with my money, you can't make any mistakes. That's not how, that's not how the real world works, but they're the real expectations we put on charity. And so uh, the, a way forward 
And this is a very simplistic version and there's a depth to it, but a way forward is unrestricted funding, which is simply me saying to you, Matt, hey, Matt, wow, what a vision you have. What a great management team and plan you have to make change in the world. We love how you've defined success. We're going to back you unrestricted. Here's the money. You can put it all into a staff hire. You can put it all into the website, all into every other part. You can put it all, all to the field. Whatever you want to do, that is your call, and we don't need to know about that. But what we want to come on the journey with you of is hitting your success, and if you miss it along the way, that's like thank you and everyone else, but what did you learn? How did you pivot? And now you're going to get there. And so it's a, it's a reshaping of how we give. It was, it was just it was an absolute relief when I read it. Um, and that's coming from the perspective of of our giving funded ethical partners run by myself and Robin Park. And uh, we, we give money, um, but I'm also involved in not-for-profits on the other side. So I do see both sides of it. And reading the conclusions there from you, it was just, it was a relief because I know that not-for-profits spend so much of their time filling yeah. out 300-page mm-hmm. requests for information and forms, and it goes on for months and months and months and months, and they've got to employ people to do this, not doing their core good that they do. Mm. Um, and on the other side, as you say, givers are requiring specifics yeah. that, 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 that shift the focus of the, mm. of the not-for-profit in an area maybe that they're not that good at. So mm. I think you can still be accountable as yeah, a not-for-profit, absolutely. Absolutely. but drive your own agenda. I think it's po- – and, and so reading that. So I'd encourage everyone to go on a thank you website and read letter from the trustees. Um, anyone who's involved in the industry, I, th- I think it's just, it's just a must read and it's, it was an absolute relief to, to see it and that's going to shape and, and help us give money better. And I think we can all continually – improve so thank you for that and look i would it's a big claim to say the system's broken that's true we helped break it's a big claim but here's how we we think we at least perpetuated it we we launched a system called track your impact every single product we made millions and millions of them had a unique track number on there the unique tracker code would link to the gps coordinates of the project you're funding so the requirements that we put on all of our partners was photo gp we gave them phones technology we built like a pseudo banking system the, the, the developers are like do you guys realize like, what the heck we've created here but we did all of that because we absolutely wanted to show you the impact our partners that is so much work it, it was brutal but not only was it hard for them then any other social business popping up is like we're going to track our impact too, or we want to do what think he's doing or what this other group are doing and so we we're like oh gosh not only are we doing actually not good funding, we're kind of perpetuating everyone thinking this is the way and it's not the way. Unreal. All right. Now I've got a whole bunch of other questions with yeah. one eye on the clock. Um, and this is um, some standard questions, but I think given your experience, Daniel, I think the answers will be um, listened to very, very closely. What, what, what do you reckon the most important aspect of leadership is that is often overlooked? I mean, two thoughts come to mind. I think the most important is the internal journey of a leader. I think I wish there was no link between the internal world and the internal development and your organization or your team, but they are intrinsically linked. And I didn't realize that for too long. And actually it's some of the deep work on the inside that has really changed uh, many, many things. So I think it's often overlooked because we, we chase numbers, growth, performance instead of like really deep foundational stuff. Like, are we chasing humility? 
oh, what? Humili- like, what? Yeah, yeah, of course. Right? Be, stay humble. Yeah, yeah, but like, what does it look like to do that? And I think how it starts on the inside and then one day it looks like turning up to the market to say, hey, competitors, um, you do that bit better than us. We do some stuff, but let's work together. Like, and, and that, I mean, man, a younger me would never, ever have said that. And so I think there's the internal journey. And one other word that comes to mind is learning. And, and it is the secret. It's to learn, listen, learn, and just continue that journey. And that, that is how we transform. Thank you. Um, as as thank you has grown, how do you how do you keep that entrepreneurial spirit or approach when you know you've got to be additionally compliant? You've got to have your systems and processes, and you're getting bigger. You have to formalise things a lot more. How do you keep the entrepreneurial drive at the same time? It's really challenging. We have lived through the startup phase, that entrepreneurial phase. We lived into the scaling systems processes, bringing in a lot of people, a lot of rigor. And it turned out that shoe didn't fit for us at all. It killed or squashed. And no one wanted it to, but it did. It squashed the risk-taking. It squashed the dreaming. It squashed the unconventional thinking. And so we had to go, well, we need the compliance. We need the systems. But that can't be at the cost or the expense of the entrepreneurial spirit. And so um, many restructures later and, and rethinking things later, we, we have landed where we have. And I would say we have a very lean entrepreneurial team, but really our approach, um, and we have a staff of 20. A year, year and a half, two years ago, we had 60 going on 100 in Australia and a few thousand as we expand globally. Now we're down to 20 and that's probably going to stay around that level for our kind of global view of this. But we've also changed what, what are we responsible for? What's a partner responsible for? And we've taken an ecosystem approach um, to this. And it's amazing how that has simplified so much of what we do. Now, there are some really mission critical things we have to be across. Again, we're not trying to carry the weight on that on our own. We have incredible auditors. We have incredible partners, consultants who, who are in. They're helping us do that. And, and you know, back in the day, we tried to solve so many issues in the house. We just have really amazing partners that provide the recommendations, do some of that deep work. And yeah, it's getting easier from that perspective. How, how do you personally keep it fresh? As someone, you're a big ideas guy, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know you as well as my partner, Nathan, yeah. um, but I've read and seen a lot of what you do. How, how do you keep it fresh? How, how do you hold yourself back from wanting the next big big thing mm. uh, and, and versus operating what you got? And how do you marry that up? Yeah, it's really challenging and and – Anyone, yeah, let me start. It's really hard. Over the years, there have been some practices and some rhythms that I've built in that have helped. Um, one of the things I talk about a bit, but I have this day, which I call a blue sky day. For me, this is a day, no meetings, no emails, no calls, ideally no interruptions. So I can wake up and this is my day to get out into the bush, climb a mountain, clear my mind. And for me, this is a moment to work on thank you, not just in it. It's also a moment to process my thinking, to write out. I mean, sometimes I journal, <laughs> dear diary, not quite, but nearly. Like I, I write out my thoughts. Um, for me, my faith has been a real constant in my story. And so for this, on this day, it's a, it's a space of reflection and meditation. But all, all that to say, this day has become such a secret because it gives me an energy to kind of look up 
And then I got to go back to the day job and the day job is real. I mean, it is like, it is, it is relentless. We have an incredible team. It is not all on me. We have a remarkable team who, who work uh, on every part of what we do. But I think as a leader, I'm able to look up enough and that really helps me. And I have also learned, and I think this has come with time. Um, we have great vision. I, I used to want it all straight away. And I have learned the emotional and physical toll of taking on too much too quick. And it hasn't changed the ambition, but it has changed the timeline. Um, I, I heard a podcast recently. It really and challenged me and encouraged me. This leader had done some research and he, he proposed that the most effective leadership decade of leaders that have been studied over history was in their 60s. Their second most effective was their 70s and their third was their 50s. Actually, sorry, maybe the, maybe the second was the 50s and the third was the 70s. But anyway, I, I was like, oh man, where, where, I feel like I, I grew up the opposite. Your 20s is where it happens. Your 30s, well, you better get it sorted because like, you, you're kind of getting too old. 40s, game over. And that's that kind of youthful view. But actually, it takes decades to learn some lessons. And that's, then, that, that's, that, that's a reason for optimism, right? Yeah. Just think of what you've achieved oh. in the last well, 20 or 30 you know, years. I mean, imagine well, what's to come. Well, thank, that's very kind. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but not everyone makes it to successful 60s either. You know, like, you, you know, you can you can burn out, break and lose everything. So I think it's a it's a journey to get there. But yeah, I think there is, it's, it's hope and it's also a long game. You mentioned the team. If you've got two people you're looking to hire and they're almost identical, what are you looking for as a distinguishing factor to hire one over the other? It, it is alignment to the vision and the the culture slash values um and we've got that wrong many times and i think it's oh i used to hope that everyone in the world could work at thank you that like come on we're going to be big enough everyone can have a job let's all do it and then it realized well actually no every human's different different and intricate every organization is different i think it's okay to know what's the mission we're on what's that culture we need and what's the values we need and find that alignment? We do lean on that more than experience. Um, obviously, though, we've got a really talented team and you do need to, you know, know a little bit about getting from A to B. All right, we're almost there. What are you reading at the moment? Such a good, such a good question. We've just finished writing. So that's been a little project in the background. Um, and um, what am I reading? Oh. Well, let's just say you're writing. So yeah, yeah, someone yeah, else yeah, can yeah, read but- what in chapter two. Ooh. Or three, yeah, yeah, four, yeah. Look, look. Chapter one is out there. The book. Thank you to anyone who bought it. Um, everyone asks when's the next chapter coming, and they've asked that for a long time. Uh, not that we've announced it publicly, but we've just finished writing another chapter, and I do look forward to people getting that. Um, it won't be; it'll be some time away. Um, but but it's um, gosh, it's a book I never thought we'd write. Well, something to look forward to. What, what advice would you give your twenty-one-year-old self? One is cel- celebrate the journey and the wins along the way. Um, I once met a mentor and the first time I met him, I was really looking forward to meeting him. I waited nine months and he said, hey, Daniel, great to meet you. What do you do? First question, do you celebrate the wins? And I was like, yeah. He's like, great. What was the win? What day? How'd you celebrate? <laughs> and I, I, he called me out. I didn't have an answer. He's like, he's like, you don't strike me as someone who, given how you're talking, celebrates the wins. You're always looking at the next thing. And, uh, and that was me. And it hurts. 
yourself hurts people because yeah, we, look, we're in Coles and Woolies, but like next month sales. Okay. Good first month, but what about, and, and you're always yeah. looking forward and that is a real tension. So I would say, enjoy the journey and it's going to be a journey. And then I would probably not tell my 21 self how long it's going to take because <laughs> he'd quit. <laughs> so, you know, if you ask, how long does this take? I'd be like, oh, you're just sticking there, you know? Um, yeah. All right. So if you if you roll over in bed and you look at the alarm clock and it's like three thirty and you go, oh, no, three thirty. What are you thinking about? What do you reckon's woken you up? Probably our daughter Jordan. Uh, <laughs> she she's woken up, and so we're up. And uh, there's not much more at three a.m. that gets me. And that's good. That's taken a lot of time good. to the discipline of like the problems we are facing are always there and always real, but they don't they sh- they're not allowed in to some time periods. Good. And and is there one person that's inspired you the most, if you had to name one person? I think one is very, very, very difficult. I think there's a lot of inspiring people who have passed and, and even live in the present. So I, I you've asked a too hard question. All right, no worries. Um, all right, now this is, this is really the end. This is a game I play with my nine-year-old who's about to be 10, and it's called the either-or game. So you've got to say one or the other. For sure. All right. Um, Kite boarding or windsurfing? Kite boarding. So I've done my homework, see? Are you impressed <laughs> with that? On, I'm very impressed. <laughs> Local or global? It used to be global, 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 but I'm loving local. Dunkirk or Inception? Oh, Inception. <laughs> but Interstellar. I just want to put that out there. Christopher <laughs> Nolan's Interstellar is my favourite, but, but I would go Inception there. Daniel, it has been an absolute pleasure and I really do appreciate your time on the Good Investing Podcast. Hey, great to be here. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Good Investing Podcast. Subscribe to hear future episodes and for more information about Ethical Partners Funds Management, visit ethicalpartners.com.au.